0: Hello and welcome to A Very Full Plate, the podcast where we're all about real food talk with real parents. Your hosts for today are Amy, a natural food chef and mom of two, and Emily, a professional home organizer and mom of three. Take it away, ladies. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us. I'm your co-host, Amy. I turn parents into kitchen ninjas to help them feed their families healthy food more often. I'm all about balance, real life, and having fun in the kitchen. You can find me at
1: cookingwithafullplate.com and my Facebook page of the same name. Hey guys, this is Emily. I'm a professional organizer who helps my clients simplify their lives so that they can experience harmony in their homes again. You can follow me on Facebook or Instagram or visit hallharmonyhomes.com. Come along with us while we celebrate our small victories and laugh at our challenges. And thank you so much for listening. Welcome everyone back to A Very Full Plate. Today, I'm your host, Emily, and I'd love for you to join me in welcoming Rachel Branke. She is a mom of five, an entrepreneurial leader and attorney, and a USA triathlete, among many things. Uh, We are very honored to have her um, here for carving out a whole hour to talk to us on our podcast and I'm really looking forward to diving into your life and hearing specifically how you juggle all the things. I am a amateur triathlete myself and I haven't raced in a while but man I bow down to you because I know (laughs) what it means to dedicate yourself to that. Um, So Rachel if you could just start off by telling us a little bit more about yourself where you're from your family and all those kinds of things I just mentioned that'd be great. Yeah, for sure. I Thanks for having me. By the way,
0: I love talking on these kind of topics. Um, I love being able to pour into other entrepreneurs, particularly mothers and those that have multi-passionate uh, interests. Because as you'll see through this whole discussion, I really do dabble in a lot of different things. Uh, but I will say up front, let's not be i um, overwhelmed to think, oh my gosh, I can't do that all. You guys are looking at like chapter 20. Like this has been 10 plus years in the making. Uh, we're now living outside of Washington, DC. This is where we're originally from. We had moved around with the military for a bit. And then my husband retired and we came back up here. We do have five kids. Um, and yeah, I mean, you basically cover the, the top points of everything. Right now, I'm just trying to balance it all. Um, I feel like there's no really true balance ever. It kind of ebbs and flows. Sometimes I (laughs) feel like I've conquered it. Other times I'm just trying to
1: make it to bedtime. So, Hmm. uh, you know, yeah, I understand that. Make it to bedtime mentality. Um, and I completely, uh, appreciate what you say there. Like this is years and years of, you know, leading your life and making moves and, and dabbling in all these things. And, uh, it's not something you take on all at once. And I can appreciate that honesty. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your daily life schedule, whether, you know, you're training or not training and more specifically, maybe a, like a day in the life of your family?
0: you know especially- <laughs> well it's cra- it's crazy crazy first of all um so i in my under my entrepreneurial umbrella i have multiple businesses so i'm not just an attorney i'm in the trenches with you guys i'm doing different things i have online e-commerce sites i have blogs i do have a law firm as well that with the kids and the husband and all the you know different activities that we all do plus my training The only thing that makes it possible, well, I guess a couple of things, but the main thing is scheduling everything. but also with that being able to understand that life happens and you have to be flexible mm. as well. Uh, so you know it's scheduling is really important For me kind of my week big picture is certain days are for the certain different businesses I have. and then within those days, certain blocks of time are for different tasks. like I'll sit down to create all of like my content like my blog post or my emails or podcasts in like two to three hour chunks on the day that is dedicated to because jumping around was completely inefficient for me. And so I get in that creation mode. I get that all taken care of. Same thing happens if like I have administrative stuff I need to get done. It's all done in different blocks. But what is most important with all of this, that sounds like it's a perfect ideal situation. It's not because life happens. But one of my really foundational things, if any of you listening have ever heard me talk, you've heard me tell this story, this analogy before, in order to make the schedule work and in order for me to even fulfill the reason that I'm an entrepreneur, which helping others is great. You know, being able to have a piece of the pie is great. But at the end of the day, if I don't have myself or my family first, which sounds cliche, but stick with me, If I don't have that first, then what's the point in doing all of this? So I do what's calling filling the rocks first. We all have like a glass vase, which is our time. And then we want to identify big rocks, maybe about the size of your hand, and identify these really core important things in your life. So for me, it would be my spouse, my kids, and then also my training uh, for triathlons. All of that goes into this vase, which represents my calendar and my time. And all that goes first. Then I pour in the sand and the sand is all the entrepreneurial stuff and the other obligations and commitments that I need to do. Because if I did it in the inverse, if I try to put the sand in first and then put the important rocks in, you're going to be trying to jam the rocks into the vase. You're not going to be able to get them in there. So for me, it's putting those big chunks in there, putting that in there on your calendar, doing it and trying to stick to that as much as possible. Safeguard your time, safeguard what's important to you. And like I mentioned a little bit ago, it'll ebb and flow. Sometimes I get more sand in my schedule and I end up doing more work. Like if I have launches or big litigation or um, some really important deadlines coming around and just being able to offer myself grace, put myself back in check and get focused back on the rocks when that kind of passes is that to me is balance and the only way to survive. It's not perfectly balanced, but you're still striving to keep those rocks first.
1: Right. I I really appreciate where you're coming from there. Just constantly pivoting and saying, "Wait a second, there's mm-hmm. been too much of this, not enough of this." And I'm certain that your children can feel when mm-hmm. things get a little out of whack and there's been a little too much sand mm-hmm. as you call mm-hmm. it. Um, well, you know, and I'll be honest, it, it wasn't like we said
0: before. This is like chapter 20. This yep. is a lesson that I've learned over time by other people, like my husband coming to me and saying, yo, you're working too much. Or the kids being like, oh, mommy works all the time. And me feeling that, you know, guilt. Oh my gosh, they're right. Because in the beginning, when you're setting up your business, it's easy to succumb to the fear of failing Mm -hmm. and thinking that you need to be busy in order to have a business. And, and that can take us a whole down a path of being uh, more efficient, better processes and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I share that to say, I still will have this issue. I mean, even with having a good team, which is another way that I'm able to do what I do is I have a really good team. And it sounds huge. We're not a huge operation. We have a very intimate virtual team, but my right hand will even say to me, um, have you ran today? Did you go do this? You know, you're a little stressed out and she'll say that to help pull me back. She'll go, think about your rocks. And, Uh, So it's nice to be able to have kind of a checks and balances and me over a decade into this, I still have to remind myself of that. It's easy to sit here as someone who's a guest on a podcast and be like, you guys can have balance. Just put the rocks in first and everything's ready. You know, it's not, it's not, it's really not. So um, I I share that to say, y'all listening, give yourself grace and just right the ship and keep going. You know, you're going to make little deviations as you go, but as long as you're still kind of on the path that you want to go. Um, and keeping that stuff in the forefront of your mind, to me, that's success.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I hear everything you're saying, and I agree with you. And I think grace has become a huge theme in all of our interviews. Everybody Mm -hmm. says, you know, you've got to give yourself grace. This is hard work, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love for you to tell me a little bit about... how food and nutrition affects your day for both your children and you and your husband. And, um, maybe if you have some sort of specific mantra, like you're talking about these sort of big picture thoughts and things that you go by, I wonder if you could, you know, if they ever spill over in the way that you feed your family. Cause that's, that's what I think a lot of our listeners love to hear about. And I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, I. it's funny. This is a great timing that we're recording this because I had kind of fallen off the wagon, so to speak. Um, I'm a very emotional eater, um, and I can become very lazy at it, especially in the grand scheme of everything going on. It's just is so easy for me to go, well, let's just run to Chick-fil-A instead of making that chicken and broccoli that we should be having. Uh, we try to stick to a macros. Uh, type of eating. I don't like to call it a diet, um, because it's not like a fad diet. Um, it's just having the right proportion of proteins, carbs, and fats in our, um, eating our oldest child has, um, he's on the spectrum and then I have no thyroid from cancer. So we thrive on a very, um, low gluten diet and um I hate the word diet sorry I didn't mean to say that but it's okay um <laughs> I think well
1: you know it's sort of a mainstream word so people are going to understand it either way but I mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. hear your point <laughs> well and it's dietary needs it's
0: not diet right. to lose weight and aren't my goal like for me with all the the high level of training that I do the goal is to have the power that I need in order to fulfill training and then not bonk afterwards for the kids is choosing and having the right portions for them, um, of the different macronutrients to make sure that it is, uh, helping their brain function and all, you know, of course then they're growing Mm -hmm. because they're age 12 down to age three. So we've got almost teenager boy who's eating everything. And then of course, I guess the three-year-old girl is eating everything too. (laughs) But, um, so that's kind of our focus and that's not to say that we don't have treats. Uh, we we still will fall off and we'll um, re- we'll treat ourselves, but it's more of um, moderation. I think is the name of the game, um, and that's something that I learned the hard way through the cancer. Actually, it's interesting how that path came about. Plus, my training—if I hadn't had those, I'm not sure I really would have gotten on a path of eating. To perform eating to live, um, as opposed to just eating to eat, eating to fill whatever
1: my emotions are at that time wow that's that's a pretty like um, in depth topic right there. I mean, I had no idea but about your history um, battling cancer and also uh, that you know I, I understand the emotional eating piece i personally have been reflecting on like why I'm eating when I'm eating and what's the real reason why I'm eating. Um, you know, why can't I just stick to things? It's like, I'm not even there when I'm eating, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so intentional eating and, and something you hit on about, um, almost having like the skill to say, Oh, we're a little off course. Let's, let's pivot back. Um, is actually a skill because we talked a little bit about how, um, so many, you know, real hardcore athletes, maybe if they cheated, they wouldn't know how to get back because they're so strict, but Mm -hmm. you know, real life is 80%. Watch what you're doing. 20%. Whoops. We went on vacation. Okay. We got to get back to it and being able to stick to it again. Mm Um, what do you think might be your superpower when it comes to feeding your kids or making choices like that? So we, it's funny, because I
0: was just kind of working on this before we got onto here, um, earlier today, we, Buy all fresh meats and vegetables. We are very blessed to be able to have the resources to do that. Um, And I buy on a weekly schedule. So Saturday or Sunday, I'll sit down and pull recipes and we choose something for each day of the week. um, And then I buy for that don't get me wrong. I hate it. I'm not good at it. I, my husband cooks. I'm not a good cook. Um, I can cook like three of the exact same things and that's like it. <laughs> so I rely on him being willing to do like new recipes. Uh, but, but for me, as busy as I am doing that, sitting down Saturday, Sunday, identifying what we need, um, then it gives me time as opposed to being in the grocery store It gives me time to sit and shop online. Um, We order through local pickup. So Mm -hmm. we go to pick it up on Monday. um, And then it lasts us to the next week and we do it all over again, which sounds inefficient as opposed to buying for two weeks. But if you do two weeks, your vegetables are no good at that point. It's easy just to go, I'm so tired of eating at home. Let's go out, which is one of our biggest downfalls um, is, especially with the kids being so busy and us and everything, of saying, oh, let's just go grab something. Mm -hmm. Um, and this, you know, and this recording is timely because you talked about falling off the wagon after like a vacation. And last week, I actually, this past weekend, I just got home from world championships for triathlon and I didn't have that greater performance. I mean, I did fine. I can't complain, but I learned the failure that I had. I call it a failure. I guess it really, truly wasn't, but the lessons that I learned out of that was, the nutrient stuff. We had gone on vacation in February and I never really got back on the macros mm. um, and being as tailored as I needed to be. I don't keep the kids and my husband strict. Um, they pretty much just eat what, what we cook. You know, we kind of all have the same things, but um, I wasn't as strict and I felt that I felt that in my performance. And so it was kind of nice stick with me It was kind of nice to have that feeling while I was running and going oh my gosh I don't have the strength I don't have the nutrients behind me I need to change this because I have the Ironman World Championships come up coming up in a couple months which is a way bigger way more mm. um, intensive race so this was a kind of nice this failure was a kind of nice little shock to remind me it's time to get your boat straight because you need to get back to eating right and so that's what I've dedicated this this week this week to getting back on path um Yeah. And so just doing the weekly, the weekly um, identifying of menu items and ordering
1: has been the biggest lifesaver. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and what I hear you saying is fabulous because what I hear you saying comes from that 10 years or so of life experience where so many other people would be like, Oh, I'm so disappointed. I'm the worst, but no, you're saying I have the emotional and intellectual intelligence to say, Oh, look, this didn't pay off. This is the perfect positive life lesson I could have had mm-hmm. because it was just mm-hmm. in time for me to perform well at Ironman. And that's the kind of personality you need to have to be an entrepreneur and to be a mom of five is you you take it as like, this is an awesome lesson. This is great. But you, but you know what? It wasn't like I crossed the finish line. I was like, I slipped down
0: two spots. I learned my lesson. Like <laughs> oh, I yeah. took the day to kind of wallow. Yeah. I was so disappointed. And my husband's like, you're quiet. There's something wrong. And I just said, just give me today. And I'll be back to normal tomorrow. So like, I do believe there is time and a place for kind of having your own little, I don't want to use the term pity party, but your own reflection on it. Because if I would have just pushed it aside and not learned anything, then it would have done me no good. By having that feeling of guilt that I had done it to myself, of the poor performance and kind of just a little bit of the regret, Mm. but then turning it around the next day, you know, I feel like I needed those emotions in order to make that difference
1: the next day. Yeah. I mean, like a triathlon analogy, you need the peaks and you need the valleys, like you need them. Mm -hmm. And, um, it it just resonates with me that it's great that you have such an observant personality to say, like, I just need a day, just leave it, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. I'll get through it. (laughs) Um, so this is great. What do you think might be your kryptonite?
0: Um, I'm not, I'm getting better, but I'm not that great at management. So that's been one of my hardest things with like, it's, it's funny. And I mean, management of employees and management of the team. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at managing my time and systems and processes and observations and all of that, which I've fine tuned and learned over the years. But when it comes to managing other people, I, it's difficult for me because I move at such a high rate of speed mentally and I get fall into the trap because I'm a type A control freak of, Oh, I'll just do it instead of explaining to someone mm. else how to do it. And that the lack of, I wouldn't say lack of communication, probably wrong communication. And I've gotten way better at this because I committed to this a couple of years ago. And I'm thankful that I have team members in my businesses that have stuck through me, through my growth. Um, they've given me grace Talked about Mm -hmm. grace before. They've given me grace. We have open door feedback and helped me to become a better leader. But leadership and management um, to effectively manage and build the proper uh, culture, which I think can also kind of be, and I'm not calling my employees kids, but it's kind of akin to parenting. You have to come up with a different style of how you approach or communicate to someone based mm-hmm. on someone's personality. And with five kids, I've got five different personalities. <laughs> right. You know?
1: <laughs> yes. So it's,
0: it's the same with employees. And so that, for me, well, maybe a couple years ago, I would have called it my kryptonite. I'm still learning. And I think that's what's most important. Um, no matter if you have something you absolutely are not good at or it can debilitate you, you either learn it, you make a commitment to do better
1: at it, or you get rid of it if you can. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, so that also makes me think, okay, if we were to ask that question regarding like feeding your family, maybe, maybe, maybe on the horizon, your latest challenge is maybe delegation or management of the household when it comes to kids and food mm-hmm. or related chores. Or I, I would be curious if you could apply that same question to um, the management of the household with the kids and the food and how does that work? Like at mealtime when you are at home and you have everything together, everyone together, which it sounds like everybody's pretty busy. So maybe it's not Mm -hmm. as often as you like, but, um, how do you address maybe the, just the mealtime when it comes to,
0: we put great priority on us being together at all Well, as many meals, lunch is kind of touch and go, obviously, because kids have school or activities, um, especially now with it being summer. But dinner is kind of like a non-negotiable. We will either adjust dinner time. Or uh, we will may only miss like one or two kids if they're not actually yeah, they're miss missing. They're just like they're missing. <laughs> MIA. Where's Johnny? Oh, I don't know. But it's funny because when we go on trips, it's not normal. Parents, I think, with like two or three, you're like, oh, Johnny, Sally, and Sue, and I'm over there going one, two, three, four, five, one, two, yes. three, four, five, like <laughs> making sure we have all of them. Um, Wait, yeah, no, so we do, we make a priority on having the family together. Like I said, my husband mostly cooks. I try to be around to assist with that. Most of the time, it's him telling me to get out of the kitchen because I'll end up just screwing it up. Um, but you said something about managing the household. It was a couple years ago, it was after the birth of number four, that I was trying to build business, and this was before my triathlon stuff so I didn't even have the training at the time but I was trying to build business I was trying to lose the weight from having the baby husband was working out of the home at the time and I was really struggling with postpartum and finally I just was like I need help I can't even manage the house and I'm sitting here every day like it was a mess Mm -hmm. and so we the very first thing once we could afford it we made a plan for it was to have someone come in and to help um, help with just the cleaning or pickup of the house. Um, not to say our kids don't have responsibilities; they do. But getting a ten-year-old to scrub the toilet—yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. um, <laughs> to at least to the level that you want it to be. Right. Um. So we we started incrementally, like having I identified that I would waste a lot more of my time by cleaning the house, the time that I could be spending with the kids or mm-hmm. working preferably spending time with the kids. Um, and that kind of evolved into we end up having an in-home caregiver because we had newborns for a couple of years. And they would help maintain the home, kind of do manage the house a little bit. My husband and I still are super active since we work from home. We're still here and present with the kids all the day. Mm. I don't like to use the term nanny because it's not like we're like, here, here's the nanny, and we're gone. Uh, we are physically present in the home majority of the day with them. Uh, But it's just nice being able to, because we made a plan for that. Um, And like I said, I hate to use the term nanny because some people are like, oh, a little rich family with a nanny. I'm like, no, we've given up other things and we've prioritized the fact that having someone to assist me on tasks within the home, managing the household, and being able to allow us to have like a weekly date night has improved Mm -hmm. our quality of life and decreased my stress exponentially. And it's just kind of made a better living situation for everyone. Um, And we just had to make a financial plan to get there. And it took a couple of years, but, um, so I encourage if someone's listening and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm drowning in my house, I'm drowning in this, what can I do? Look for the things that you maybe are sucking out a lot of your time, or you're Mm -hmm. not necessarily that enthused with doing, of course, then again, who wants to clean, you know, (laughs) um, i do when i'm stressed i do i do actually enjoy cleaning when i'm stressed out but um but make a plan identify what it is and i just started small i started small with having someone come in and help clean and then we moved into having like a mother's helper and it kind of just progressed from there
1: no i completely understand i think we've heard a lot of themes that just explain like your time is so precious What are you going to spend it on? And how can you be most effective? You have your goals, you have your career, you have your kids. A lot of the times those filler things, not even sand, they're like, you know, grains. They're junk. (laughs) Seriously, who wants to scrub? toilets. Seriously. I I mean, I could barely keep up with my house. So we just kept shrinking our house. Then I'm like, this is still a problem. So, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I completely relate. And I do think that, yeah, of course there might be a stigma, but I also think that many people are just quietly hiring and being like, you don't understand the harmony is back in my life. And it's Mm -hmm. like good for you for taking control and recognizing what everybody needed, you know? Well, and there's this whole, you know, I'm sure you've probably
0: talked about this before either on the show or in your life, but there's this whole idea that women have to do it all. We have to do it with a freaking smile and pearl necklace, right? And it's, I've never really been one to fit into the box anyways, but I found myself during that time, I can just remember it vividly. I sat on my living room floor crying after number four was born. And I was like, I can't do this. Not that the kid was bad. He was awesome. He still is. But I was like, I just cannot handle all of this and still, because I was trying to make homemade Valentine's and trying to do this and trying to do that. And it just something had to give. Yeah. Um, and for me, I identify that was the cleaning stuff. And I think it's too easy for, especially moms, not to exclude any fathers listening or any, any, maybe there's someone listening that's childless and they have a lot of other commitments. It's too easy for us to fall into this trap of going, oh, this is just a season of life. Well, that season mm. of life lasted for like five, six years for me. And it was affecting myself. It was affecting my kids. It was affecting my marriage. Um, it's too easy just to fall in and say, oh, this will pass. This will pass. It's not some of it's not going to pass unless you do something about it. Mm. Um, And so that, that for me, just identify it. Yeah, there's sure. There's things that happen that they will pass along, but this, this wasn't going to pass. There was no end in sight for me. And that was the most discouraging part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So
1: no, I completely understand. I, I hear you. And it's funny. I just keep feeling like, I don't know where it comes from, but there is so much pressure that either is put on ourselves, like as women or as moms, or, you know, maybe whoever's the homemaker, um, to just be all the things like everything Mm -hmm. from making the the valentines and don't forget the random snack that comes on this day. And, Oh, have you cleaned the house? And are you paying enough attention to so-and-so? And And you're like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to break down. And then you do. And all women have cried on their floor and been like, I can't do this. (laughs) <laughs> and I do think that we do it to ourselves, not to yeah. try to victim blame,
0: but think about it. We want to try to have this picture perfect, or you don't realize you want it to look picture perfect to everyone else. But think about it. You can do that without actually doing all the things. And I'm not saying go out there and make your life look perfect on social media, but you're probably not photographing your mounds of laundry unless you're making a joke about it, right? Your people aren't gonna know that you haven't scrubbed your toilet or that you haven't done X, Y, and Z. So identify what is my reasoning for being stressed out about this? Is it because it absolutely needs to be done for my family or am I doing it for someone else? And I'm raising my hand right now because this is a lesson that I have I'm still learning. I'm in my mid thirties and I'm still learning that I shouldn't care what other people think, but I still do. And mm. for that reason, that's what I put on myself as this own pressure. No one's ever told me you need to have a p- perfect house. No one's ever told me that with five kids, you should have everything in little organized bins. Nobody ever said that to me. I've never seen it on social
1: media, but somehow it got into my mind and it was because it was created for myself. Correct. I agree. Even my husband will say, who who, who told you you had to do these things? I'm like, uh, I just feel like yeah. I have to Pinterest, <laughs> Pinterest told me <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you know, what I wanted to ask you was, um, it sounds like you guys sometimes go out to eat a lot. Is there a packaged food that works for your macro diet that you guys kind of is like your go-to when you're ordering uh-huh. chicken and vegetables? Like, yeah. Uh, um, you know, but
0: see the thing, great thing of like doing the macros, and I'm not like this. Hoorah! Hoorah! You know, I have a macros plan or anything. I'm not saying that, but I it, I was keto for ten years. Yeah. Um, and it 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 worked all right. But then my lifestyle changed. But now what I love about macros is that if I know we're going to go out to eat and I want to indulge, I go ahead and put that into my tracker first. Like this, because mm. on Friday nights we go out for date night and we go to like the same three places all the time. So I know that there's a special dish that I want. That way I go ahead and put that into my tracker so that during the day, it really keeps me from grazing and from Mm. going in the kitchen and popping, you know, a kiss Hershey kiss in my mouth or this and that. That way I can save up for later.
1: I totally hear you. I'm like, if I can start the the first half of the day well, at least I did that. And then the rest hopefully falls together just as good, but it doesn't. Or it just all goes downhill. (laughs) Yeah. But at least you had a first half of your day that worked. Um, Yeah. What about, do you guys travel much with your kids, like more than about town? Um, yes, we do. And and how does that affect do you guys just basically eat out the whole time? Or how do you do that? Because I have a hard time navigating the gluten-free world and saving and not spending tons of money with three kids, you know? It depends. So because we're such a large family,
0: I know there's bigger ones out there, but Kind of once you hit over two or three kids, you're bumping into needing multiple hotel rooms. And often we find that it's more cost effective for us to either rent suites that have kitchens or yeah. to get like an Airbnb style. Yeah. Um, like we just went to the beach a couple weeks ago. So we did Airbnb and we cooked all week, but went out one night because we wanted seafood because we we're at the yeah. beach. Um, it's a little bit more difficult if we're like, they'll travel with me when I speak at conferences and we may be stuck getting multiple hotel rooms and no kitchen. Um, we'll still have, we just, just have to factor it all financially in. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I do is I try to look, cause the kids menus suck at the majority of restaurants, I know. So I, owe, you know, and, and I mean that from a nutrient perspective Yes. Um, and a, moni- a financial perspective. So I'll, we'll look at like getting adult meals and splitting like one between yes. two of the younger kids just so that they can get that grilled chicken and vegetables or, um,
1: just something better than chicken I, strips and fries all the time. And even my kids are like I don't want any of this. And I'm like yeah. Yeah, I don't want you to eat it either. Let's get a salad with the, like some chicken on it and some cheese mm-hmm. and we're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um so I hear you on that cuz I do we do the same thing like we just get three or four adult meals and divvy it up family style. So that makes a lot of sense to me. It actually make, validates me that we always do Airbnb and we just grocery shop locally. And then, yeah, we'll do like, oh, when in Rome, let's go get lobster. Let's go yep. you know, have our one night out. And that's and that's fabulous. And it makes it a little more special than if you're constantly eating out and,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and whatever. So I, I'm curious, do your kids, like how does dessert fit into your family? Do you do dessert every night? What kind of desserts are... Yeah, and available. <laughs> I, we
0: don't really do dessert per se. My mom is a big proponent of treating the kids. So when they come over, she'll bring like brownies and such. For us, they always do like an after dinner snack, if you will. I try not okay. to call it dessert because then they expect like brownies or cookies, et cetera. My kids love fruit. So that makes it super easy for me. I'll just throw out like a fruit platter or we'll grab some bananas or something as their uh, snack after dinner before bedtime. Uh, But Mm. not really dessert. We typically reserve dessert for more special occasions. It's not that I deprive them from having sweets. I just don't make it a staple offering every evening.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I'm curious, if you don't mind, since we're talking about the specifics in the meal, um, we've had a lot of different mantras about the way that the dinner works. Do you like, you know, how do you deal with either a picky eating or how do you deal with, or maybe your husband, if he's doing the cooking, Making sure it's something everyone will eat. Is everyone generally just good at eating whatever is put out there? Like how does it work with the delegation of not the delegation, but the management of that process when there's so many different personalities?
0: Yeah, they I'm really lucky. My kids will eat anything. They love sushi, they love vegetables, they love fruit. But I think that comes out of, I mean, there's like select vegetables. Like green peppers, so random. Like that's like the only vegetable they won't eat, but they'll have Brussels sprouts and they'll have all this other stuff. So I don't fight on something like that. But um, I think a lot of their acceptance of a lot of different foods came out of, we always have had the mindset, you eat what's cooked. Mm. You eat what's served to you. Um, You at least have to try it. And that's the thing. I mean, we still get the personalities of, I don't like that. And then they eat it and they're like, I loved it. I'm like, I know. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, you just have to at least try it. But I'm not going to make you something else. What I make is what I make. But a lot of that is stepping back into when I do the weekly planning. I'm not going to run out and get something that I know that the majority of them don't like. Um, I'm going to try to stick to. But again, like I said, it's pretty easy because they're all, they pretty much eat anything.
1: Yeah, I understand. Or if you're going to make them something they they almost, they sort of don't like, you might say, well, at least I know they like the other two things in the dish and whatever. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. It sounds reasonable. I think it's great that you have such good eaters. Do you think that's just like you said, from like, I'm not making you anything else because there is a stage of eating that's like, you know, under two Mm -hmm. where you're like, they're barely, they didn't even eat because they're like, what is this new texture? Whatever. Mm -hmm. I imagine you just kind of just kept with it until they accepted the foods if they would um, yeah,
0: I don't make them sit at the table until they finish it all. Well, unless they're older or they're just being ornery. Like if they're younger and they're still learning their taste and all of that, or like just try it. Um, If you absolutely don't like it, you don't have to eat it. Like I yeah, tried with the green yeah. green pepper thing, and all five of them. I don't know what it is. They just don't like green peppers. And I was doing some research on it, and it's interesting because I had the same issues with me. None of my kids have any allergies. I do. I'm like I'm allergic to turkey and a couple other different things. Well, I never liked turkey and the allergist and my other research came out and said, well, if your body doesn't like something, maybe it's because there's some kind of sensitivity that you have to it, or you have a full allergic reaction to it. And Mm. yes, I'm definitely allergic to turkey. Um, And so, and and hopefully my parents don't hear this (laughs) recording, but growing (laughs) up, they loved turkey. And so they were always would force me to finish it. And I never liked it, but I didn't know as a child how to articulate to them. Well, I don't like it because I don't like the way it makes me feel because I had a sensitivity and an allergy to it. And, um, I don't want to do that to my own kids. Like I Mm. don't let them run the table and not eat, but it's try it. But like the thing with the green peppers, when repeated times and I'm trying and they are just for like, no, I said, okay, fine. Maybe it's an allergy thing or maybe their taste buds just don't like green peppers Mm. whatever.
1: Yeah. And we've had some really awesome nutritionist guests come on and Some of them have really shared about, you know, the relationship with food is more important than that food that you're trying to get them to eat. Agreed. Yeah. Putting pressure on them to eat something that they really don't want to eat is a bigger metaphor, and I've really started to like put that to use in my family, and it's working so much better. It's just Mm -hmm. they need some control over how much of it they eat, and yeah. um, So I appreciate what you're saying there. It seems like the perfect balance. Like you're reasonable. But you really want them to eat what you made because you're not going to make short order cook over here. Um, well, and it's probably easy for me to say it because they're relatively easy
0: mm. eaters. But I have had to create my own relationship with food because I had a negative one. Um, I ate whatever I wanted. I did not have moderation. I wasn't really taught how to eat properly. And so, like I said previously, I think it was going through the cancer and gaining the 60 pounds in three months and then having to eat in order to help my medications and then also trying to manage my son's symptoms is when my relationship with food like actually started to turn for the positive because I was making the intentional approach to identify that um that that was lacking in our and like I said we still fall off we did kind of the last few months but um, I think we're also to the point since we took the steps to be intentional in creating the relationship, we're more intuitive in our choices now. So looking mm-hmm. back, it probably wasn't completely off the rails as I thought it was um, for the last few months because we, had, we've already developed that. Like you said, the proper positive relationship, I'm just intuitively now drawn to the right items. I may have eaten more than I should have. I may mm-hmm. have ordered a dessert when we went out when I normally, while I was tracking, not have ordered, but having the relationship, Allows more of actually a freeing um, to allow you to be intuitive, as opposed to so
1: rigid. Mm. Do you mind before we wrap up just kind of diving a little bit more in that in that part of your life? Because one of the questions I do ask is maybe how has your growing up uh, experience with food affected the way that you choose now? And you and you definitely just touched on that. But is there mm. any like takeaways or anything you are comfortable sharing with the audience? Because so many of us grew up with you know, in the seventies or eighties where food was a very interesting thing. I think <laughs> we like to joke about like the canned food and the pork chops and applesauce right. and like the frozen vegetables and you know, where was all the good stuff at the time. Um, and I just wondered if you would mind touching upon that. Cause I think it would be really relatable for some of our listeners who are now trying mm-hmm. to k- get their kids to eat well when maybe they didn't as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my mother grew up really poor. Um, her father had left them. They, her, my grandmother had
0: five kids. My mom is the second to youngest. And so mm. they were living, they ended up going to live with her, my mother's grandparents. So they were living on welfare. They had the crappiest of the crappiest food to eat and very little. So my mom's relationship with food uh, was developed in a negative way. Um, mm. She is still learning. She's still developing her own relationship. And then my husband grew up in a really low income family as well. And so you talk about the frozen foods. He refuses to eat frozen vegetables now. Um, and it's just, or you like canned meats and that kind of stuff. And so for me, that that's helped to shape and it's helped to encourage me to make the better choices. Mostly. Cause like he'll say, I won't eat frozen vegetables. I'm like, okay, that's super easy for me to take mm. that off the table. Uh, but growing up with my mother, I mean, she did her best. She did what she could. And like, I'm still learning how to facilitate this relationship so that my um, children, particularly my two daughters, see it as a positive. I'm mm. um, not that food is the enemy, but um, it was a struggle. My mom's my mother still fights between, that food that she was introduced to the really bad for you foods, because that's all that they had through food stamps, et cetera. Um, and also balancing that with her fear of expending too much money on food. Um, mm. because once you've been in a super low income family like that, you're not a hoarder of money, but you're a lot more, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, Careful, risk and I mean, risk yeah. adverse. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. careful, very risk adverse. Um, and eating, and this is a sad state. This going to be a rant. And I'm sure you've talked about this before. This is a sad state in America where the good food costs two to three times more than that package stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And so for her, I've seen a lot of struggle from her, uh, between this whole, oh, I want to save money because I never want to go back to where I was. Which thankfully, she's built a life; she'll never go back there. Um, but also with, well, these are the foods that I was, I'm comfortable with, and it kind of all molds together. So she fights with that, and I, be- I saw that my whole life. Um, I saw that you needed to go for the cheapest food um, mm. and what was the easiest and most convenient, and that's something I still battle. Right before we got on here, I was thinking, oh, after I get off done with podcasts, we got to go to swim lessons. Oh, let's just swing through Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A, but (laughs) not every day. And, but it was just so easy for me to go, oh, that'd be the easy way out as opposed to going down to the chicken I've already put out and the vegetables I've already chopped. Um, but it's going back in my mind to think this relationship of what my mom has set. She kind of facilitated this, do what's the quickest, do what's the most convenient, um, I mean, not knocking her. That was the way that she grew up. She didn't have a choice and she's learning and growing and developing a relationship. But that has impacted me because that's, I still see that struggle for her and I, and I was the only child. So I was, all of that was, I was really in tune with what my parents were doing, really focused on them. And that's how I was taught. And I don't want my kids to grow up seeing that. I mean, I wanted to, like in business, I teach the most efficient way to do things. The most, you know, you Mm. want convenience and that's okay to pay for convenience, and that kind of stuff, but not at the, um, what's the word I'm looking for, not at the compromise
1: of health. Right. Or, um, you know, So, and you've, you know, clearly learned some of that in your own life experience. And so um, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I also, it resonates a lot with us. You know, my family, uh, my husband had an autoimmune condition. It wasn't super Mm -hmm. serious, but eventually, he would have probably had a thyroid out too, like you're living mm-hmm. and he was able to use food to heal. And, um, that experience has made, you know, food is like a huge rock in my glass jar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, mm-hmm. our, it's the same as our mortgage. And for other people, they would think what, and I also appreciate where you're coming from. I have three little girls. So when you say like you're redefining it and, and all of that, it's not about easy and quick and cheap. It's about how does your body feel when you eat that? You know, Mm -hmm. if it doesn't feel good, maybe you have too much of that vitamin in your body innately. Who knows? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that Mm -hmm. intuitive approach to food is much different than the quick, easy, fast, whatever you can get um well and it's also changing the
0: terminologies that you use when it comes to food I mean we can talk about it being delicious and this and that well yeah Chick-fil-a is delicious too (laughs) and I can eat it every day and think it's delicious too but having it every day is not healthy and so for especially my girls I mean not to know I have three boys and I want them to also see a strong female role model uh but especially for my girls I didn't grow up hearing that food fueled me food was an emotional thing that you ate or you just enjoyed and Again, nothing wrong with that. There's a time and place, but um, I like using words like, yes, these Brussels sprouts make me strong Mm. Um, as opposed, and they can be yummy, but then I talk about the impact of how they have against my body. My eight-year-old, my oldest daughter, she is me to like the nth power. She's so logical driven. She observes everything. Um, When I die, she's going to be the narrator (laughs) for my movie because she narrates everything in life right now, but it's just because she's so observant. And for me, it's also a crossover to body image. Um, I had major body image issues, uh, especially with the massive weight gain and everything that happened with the cancer. And I'm just now, mid-30s, finally getting over the hump of that. But I don't ever want my daughter to equate body image and food together and negatively. So it's just, I guess what I'm trying to say it's just the changing of the worth of how we use and perceive food, that it's fuel and not... Um,
1: a Band-Aid, I guess. Right. Emotional outlet or a, mm-hmm. you know, a way to distract yourself from a problem you might be ignoring or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is for that quick kind of dopamine fix or whatever it is. That's a good um, way to put it. Yeah. I'm just kind of ra- rattling things off, but that's what comes to mind. Um, this has been really an awesome conversation. I, I want to respect your time. Um, I have a selfish question as a triathlete. So yeah. did you? when did you start doing triathlons? Like at what age and stage of your life?
0: Uh, I was 30. Um, it was after the birth of my youngest. Okay. She was born in February and I did my first triathlon in June of that year. It was, it's a little cheating cause I was a swimmer in high school and college, okay. but I wasn't a cyclist or runner. So I've had to learn that that those are my weakest.
1: It's so funny. It feels like every triathlete is either a an, an ex swimmer or is terrified of the swim. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, our swimmers, we kick butt. We're first out of the water, but then we yep. spend the rest of the race, everyone <laughs>
1: passing us. <laughs> that's what my husband, he says, cause he just happens to be a really strong swimmer. He's like, but then all these guys go flying by me. And I'm like, <laughs> I know, I know. You get so
0: tired of hearing on your left. And finally, yeah. after a hundred miles, I'm like, I get it. Okay. <laughs> yes. I know
1: you're coming. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, that's great. Um, also, um, I like to end with a couple of sort of this or that questions that are super fast. Um, The first one is uh, sweet or salty? Salty, all day. How about cook or clean? Or not (laughs) eat (laughs) neither. I'll take cleaning because I suck at cooking. (laughs) I know. I thought you might be anticipating that. How about coffee or tea? Coffee. Okay. Beer or wine? Beer. Okay. Dine in or dine out? depends on the day of the week, dine in mostly. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Um, if you have any, uh, resources, I'd love for anyone to, to look for you. If they're interested in learning more about you, you're welcome to talk about the, some of the resources you have and, and some of the endeavors you might want to share with our, our audience. Yeah. You guys can find me at rachelbranke.com. It's also
0: the same name on all my social media platforms. Uh, I talk a lot about you know, much what we talked about balancing family, business, um, going for personal goals, and those sorts of things. I have a couple of books that I have published on it as well. And I also have my own podcast. There are 10, 15, 10 to 15 minute quick episodes that I talk on a variety of topics, uh, just because I know uh, parents and others are super busy. But other than that, yeah, if you guys need help, even if it's not a business thing, I have individuals who come to me that aren't entrepreneurs, but they just want help in figuring out what's going on in their life. Um, I don't use the term life coach at all. I just feel like I I am a fellow female and mother who can kind of help you to see what you can't see because you're in the thick of it.
1: I really appreciate that. And I'm definitely going to dive in and listen to your podcast because I've loved this conversation. I think you have a lot of lessons learned that people can learn from and take away from. So I really appreciate you taking this time with us and I'm sure we will love to invite you back later to talk about another specific topic as we grow our podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Of course, thanks for having me. Anytime, thanks so much.
0: Thank you for listening.